0: hour number two of the morning after right here on sports grid you are listening on sirius xm channel 204 i'm your host ben stevens and for this next hour the total hour from 10 a.m eastern to 11 a.m eastern it is our great friend on this program mark zinno you can catch him all across the sports grid network in game live throughout the weekend and all over the grid mark zinno a pleasure to have you
1: here on this tuesday morning my friend Ben, always a pleasure to join you. Uh, it's been a, an interesting week in college and the NFLs, man. We 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 got to get some uh, some stuff back. I feel like the uh, SoFi Stadium last night with a a weather delay indoors. I got I got to get right. Listen, as a native of the Los Angeles area, when there is a single drop
0: of rain, the city freaks out. It comes to a halt. That even happens when you have a weather delay in a domed roof. They don't know what they're doing. They're looking they're like, uh, what are we doing? That's even the case inside a dome. That is what happens in Los Angeles but Zeno this is why you're a pros pro you lead me beautifully into what we want to discuss here in this first segment with you on our show on the morning after we're going to talk about the AFC West because last night it was a great divisional matchup between two great teams in the AFC West so far this season the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers The Chargers getting the better of the Raiders winning 28 to 14 snapping the Raiders win streak to start off the year ending their perfect unbeaten record they are now three and one as are the Chargers Only one unbeaten team left in the National Football League, the Arizona Cardinals, who remain perfect at 4-0. But let's focus on the AFC West because I think we saw some implications from last night on Monday Night Football and how that's now reflected in the betting market. The Chiefs are still the favorites to win the AFC West right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 110. But when you look at where the Chargers find themselves, a decent leap after last night's victory over the Raiders. Entering Monday Night Football, they were plus 340. Right now, the second shortest odds at plus 230. You also have the Denver Broncos at plus 490. The Raiders, the longest odds in this market but not all that long in comparison to the rest of the division. They are plus 650 right now. So let's focus on the Chargers first and foremost, Mark, because I think we can
1: still give the upper hand to the Chiefs. But how legit do you think the Chargers are this season? Depends on how much you believe that Justin Herbert has closed the gap with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, in reality, this division is boiled down to What do you trust more, not only from a betting standpoint, but what wins more football games, offense or defense? Because if you're looking at offense, this is clearly uh, a very convoluted race. I mean, between Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, you have Justin Herbert with the Chargers. And I don't – I mean, look, I'm one of the few people who's been high on the Raiders since the offseason. I had them plus 350 to make the postseason. I have their over 7.5 win total. So I I thought the Raiders were a playoff team from the start of this thing, and I am very high on them. I think their offense will be top 10. I think it will be every bit as good as the Chargers – and the kansas city chiefs on the flip side how much do you trust the defenses in this division clearly the denver broncos are a lead over everybody else by a significant margin who comes in second is it the chargers i would say from a talent standpoint yes it's the chargers but the raiders defense has played well to start this year and kansas city's defense is a flat-out liability at this point can they put it together like they have in previous years towards the back half of the season and play six or seven really good games down the stretch that's what Past history has told us, but it really depends, Ben, on what you believe as as the best way to, to not only cover bets but win football games. Is it offense or is it defense? Most people would probably lean on the offense. I would say the most complete team right now on
0: both sides of the football is the L.A. Chargers. But the Chiefs obviously have that explosive nature to their offense as we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after just getting underway. I am Ben Stevens. He is Mark Zinno. And you are listening on Sirius XM channel 204. The mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Speaking of West Coast teams, the AFC West is going to be a fascinating division to watch all year long. And Mark, I'm glad you brought up the make playoff odds because... That's where I get a better sense, even in the divisional odds market, of how the books truly feel about these teams as contenders to make the postseason. So the Chiefs are the odds-on favorite to win the AFC West. But you have the Chargers, who are now minus 205 to make the playoffs in the AFC this season. They were minus 150 entering last night's game on Monday Night Football, now minus 205. You said you had the Raiders at plus 350 to make the playoffs before the year. They were plus 114 last night after the loss. Still plus 146. The Denver Broncos also in minus money category at minus 130. So that tells me that the FanDuel Sportsbook expects three, maybe even four of the AFC West teams into the postseason picture. Do you think, Mark, we could see three or four teams out of the AFC West in the playoffs at the end of the year?
1: Three is a possibility, but you gotta remember the AFC is a lot more stacked, right? I mean, it just is between the AFC North with at least the Ravens and Browns looking like legitimate playoff contenders, you're gonna get one from the AFC South, obviously. The Bills are the, the lead dog in the AFC East. Could another team sneak in? The Dolphins look like they're regressing. Are the Patriots at the level where they can start to win some more ball games? Maybe, but that's where this is all coming from. And oh, by the way, man, you know, when you look at the odds to make the postseason for the AFC West. The only reason these odds are where they are is because the Kansas City Chiefs lost a game that they shouldn't have. I and mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbles that ball. It changes all these odds dramatically. If the Chiefs are 3-1 as opposed to 2-2, two and two, everybody else's odds reflect the fact that you're not going to catch the Chiefs. The fact that you have the, the Chiefs right now in a position where they're actually chasing makes everybody's odds better. So now is not the time to buy in on anybody else. If you're going to do anything, buy in on the Chiefs right now because this may be their lowest value of the season minus 110
0: right now they were minus 290 after week one of this NFL season we'll talk some of the divisional dominance in the NFL across multiple divisions coming up in just a little bit but first we look at some line movement for week number five of this NFL season including the NFC West and Thursday night football that's coming up next here on the grid you are listening on Sirius XM channel 204 stay with us right here on the grid the morning after more of that next Welcome back here to the Grids, the Sports Grid Network, Sirius XM channel 204. And this is the second hour of the morning after. I'm your host, Ben Stevens, joined for the second hour by Mark Zeno, And we are going to look right now at some early lines for week number five of the NFL season. It's always important in my mind, Mark, to monitor the lines throughout the week. That happens as early as Tuesday morning as you look ahead to placing your bets on Sunday because we know a lot of the public action doesn't happen right now. This might be some sharp money influencing the lines a lot of the public action comes Saturday or even early on Sunday morning so we look to get ahead of the best numbers and we look to get ahead on this Tuesday of the game on Thursday night it is the best Thursday night football game of the season thus far an NFC West showdown the Rams on the road up in the Pacific Northwest taking on the Seahawks the Rams a one and a half point favorite against Seattle the line opened at one in favor of LA But it was a line flip from the early look ahead line prior to week four of the NFL season where the Seahawks were a one point home favorite. So, Mark, what do you make of the line movement here and might we see it move even more
1: later in this week? Well, a lot of the line movement comes from the fact that the Rams started out so hot and Seattle seems to have struggled uh, off to a, a one or two start after the win that they get yesterday to avoid going uh, 1-3, and or Sunday rather. Uh, So from that standpoint, you know, I I like Seattle in this spot. Uh, Home dogs less than two are always, always juicy uh, when you look at them from a value standpoint. I mean, if the Rams are so good and the offense is so good, and Seattle's defense has been suspect at best throughout this season, why isn't this number bigger? That's my first initial reaction. I mean, if you're telling me here on a neutral side field that the Rams are only a a one-and-a-half, maybe two-point favorite, over over a Seattle team that you know, frankly, again hasn't produced all that well to start the year. I'm going to tell you, you're a little bit crazy. I think you're getting a lot of value back on uh, on Seattle here. At least a spot lens to them, and Seattle has always played division opponents tough. You know, this is where they really, really excel. It's a different story, Ben. If they're laying points at home against the Rams, you look at the game a little bit differently. But the fact that they're a dog at home in a division always looks like a juicy play. The Seahawks right now, plus 118 as the underdog
0: on that money line as well. The second straight divisional matchup for both of these teams. The Rams losing to the Cardinals this past Sunday. The Seahawks edging out the San Francisco 49ers. But Seattle did struggle offensively, really through the duration of that game, but especially in the first half. Now, the total for this game between the Rams and the Seahawks on Thursday night is 54 and a half. By far the largest total we have had for a short week Thursday night football game at this point of the nfl regular season and that total is up by a full point from where it opened at 53 in the hook now at 54 and a half mark the rams are the only team in the nfl so far this season to play all four games of theirs to the over so far all four games for the rams have hit the over meanwhile three of the four for seattle have hit the under so you see a lofty total of 54 and a half the second highest total for the entire week five nfl slate
1: On a Thursday night, where does your mind go in terms of that over-under? All right, so if you follow this stuff over the trends of, of several seasons, what the Thursday night games have done, You're at that point in the season where you've gotten through four games where bodies are starting to get banged up and injuries are starting to mount for guys. So what's going to happen on these Thursday night games is that teams are going to be sluggish on a short week. They're going to start to practice less than they did throughout the year. They're going to be less sharp. They're going to be less efficient. And these are the trends where, you know, through weeks five to like week 12, you know, sort of time frame, 10, 11, 12, Ben, Where a lot of these Thursday night unders will start to come in because of that. You'll have teams, again, on short rest that are banged up, that won't practice as hard, and so it won't be as sharp come Thursday night. What really starts when it starts to inflate again is when you get towards the end of the year and there's a really clear disparity between the good teams and the bad teams, that overs usually start to come in because one team blows the other team out and they're playing catch up at the end. I see a number like 54. My knee-jerk reaction in this spot, despite the fact how good the Rams have been offensively, is to play the under in this spot because Seattle's defense at home uh, is more likely to show up there than it would on the road in this spot. And again, even though the Rams have played to the over, last week they played to the over because it was the Cardinals doing all the scoring. They only put up 20. So I don't know if it's something that maybe – The Rams have been figured out a little bit after three or four weeks offensively. I don't know necessarily that that's the case, but I look at this spot and go, this is a prime under week five here on a Thursday night game where, again, I don't think teams are going to be practicing as hard uh, as they get ready for Thursday night on a short week.
0: Yeah, I think that
1: 54 in the hook is a
0: little bit inflated for a short week Thursday night football game. All four teams in the NFC West, their scoring offense is ranked in the top 10 across the NFL. So it's two straight weeks. Of the divisional games in the NFC West, because also coming up on Sunday, the Niners take on the only unbeaten team left across the National Football League, the Arizona Cardinals. And this has had a dramatic amount of line movement, not just because of how hot the cards have been, but also because of quarterback questions, of course, for the San Francisco 49ers. The Cardinals opened up as a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. They are now laying five-and-a-half at home on Sunday against the Niners. The total has also dropped significantly from an open number of an over-under at 53 to 50-and-a-half. Mark, the Cardinals, the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. Do you think those two points of line movement is warranted when you couple in the Jimmy Garoppolo questions
1: as well? That may be part of it. Um, I I look at this line right here, and and every time I see five-and-a-half, Ben, I just kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit uh, if you're looking at the favorite. I mean, look, games in the NFL, typically three or four points decided by that much, or, you know, seven or above, right? I mean, it's the three, four, and the seven prospects. So when Ozmaker set this line at five-and-a-half, why are they telling you you're not good enough to be a touchdown favorite? Yet you're better than a field goal. So my my I look right to the dog whenever I see that number and kind of look at them comparatively speaking to where they they are against the favorite. Here's the thing about the Cardinals defense that people are so oh they got a real defense now oh they got a real defense do they really they give up 135 yards rushing per game that's seventh worst in the NFL. What does Kyle Shanahan do really well? better than most coaches, scheme for holes, and scheme in the run game. I understand they don't have Raheem Mostert, and it was Trey Sermon last week doing a bulk of the carries, but this is really a spot where I think the Cardinals' run game, run defense, can be exposed. And if you're giving me five-and-a-half points, when you talk about a team that understands ball control and the offense, and even if it's it's Trey in there versus Jimmy Garoppolo, I think Kyle Shanahan looks to the run and sort of takes that aspect of putting the pressure on the quarterback – out of this game, this looks like a prime spot to me for San Fran. Maybe not to win the game, but that 5.5 number looks a little bit too big from where I sit at this point.
0: And it might be Trey Lance on Sunday making his first career NFL start what a start it would be against the only unbeaten team less in the NFL the MRI yesterday on Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppolo, slightly good news there on Jimmy G only a calf bruise at the moment pro football doc Dr. David Chow was on the show yesterday said it was good news revealed by that MRI there was a slight chance. Jimmy G might be able to play but regardless I agree with Mark I think the offense could be on full display the Cardinals the top scoring offense in the NFL that total again down by three points 50 and a half the largest total of the weekend is 56 and a half between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football an AFC championship game rematch the Chiefs getting the better of the Bills last January winning 38 to 24 the Chiefs right now only a three-point favorite, Mark, on Sunday night. About a minute left here. Your quick thoughts about this Sunday night football game between the Bills and
1: the Chiefs. I mean, your first reaction, and everybody looks at it and goes, can the Chiefs really be two and three? Like, is that the team that we're going to look at and say they're going to be three um, when, when the uh, when the first five games are done? It's a realistic possibility. Now, Buffalo's played some – games in the last two weeks and they've beaten up on some bad teams putting up a whole lot of points uh in fact they lead the nfl in scoring if i'm if i'm correct here or they're right behind the arizona cardinals rather least lead the afc so from that standpoint they're going to be able to pick apart this chiefs defense how much can they slow down patrick mahomes ultimately will this is what this game will be about the total is so big though ben how do, how do you really expect 57 points to be scored in an nfl game it's tough to go with that number but I think if you feel confident enough that the Bills can score 30, then absolutely KC can do the same. Kansas City, the second worst scoring defense in the NFL.
0: The Bills, the second best scoring offense, like Mark alluded to right there. Buffalo covering by the biggest margin in the NFL so far this year. Three and one against the number, covering by nearly two touchdowns per game. Where will that line go ahead of Sunday Night Football? That's my question, and that's why we monitor it right now. Next up, we look at divisional dominance across the NFL. That's next on The Morning
2: app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I am Ben Stevens, joined for this second hour of TMA by Sports Grid's very own Mark Zinno. And we are looking across the NFL right now, some line movement to know ahead of week five in the NFL, but also divisional dominance currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook, according to the odds for a couple of the best teams in their respective divisions across the league. And Mark, let's start with the AFC East right now, because the Buffalo Bills have been a very dominant side so far this year. Stumbled in week number one, but a perfect 3-0 and in the last three weeks for Buffalo. Also 3-1 and against the spread. And the odds right now to win the AFC East, very much in Buffalo's favor. The Bills are minus 500 right now to win the AFC East division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Those are the longest odds for any team across any division across the entire NFL on FanDuel right now. So minus to 5-1 right now on Buffalo, Mark. When you compare that to New England, who is plus 700, you have the Dolphins there at plus 1,000 as well. And then the New York Jets at 65 to 1. That difference between Buffalo at minus 500 and the Pats at plus 700, $12 of difference. Shows how dominant Buffalo has been, and that's reflected in the AFC East market right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just its not a ton of value. And imagine, oh, by the way, Ben, had Buffalo not lost in week one, to the Pittsburgh Steelers what their number would be like. I mean, that's the only thing even keeping this number somewhat respectable where if you have the disposable income to to lay down that kind of money, knock yourself out, uh, but it's just not a good value bet or a good proposition for for you to do at this point in time. I mean, barring a major injury to Josh Allen, that's really the only thing that takes Buffalo out of play. If that doesn't happen, if he can stay healthy by means am I not wishing for Josh Allen to get hurt, Um, But if that doesn't happen, there's no reason the Bills don't win this thing in the walk, really. The only other question is what we talked about a couple of segments ago. Is there another team like New England that maybe could work their way back into a playoff picture and a playoff conversation, but nobody should catch Buffalo again. They've got a clear two-game lead on everybody in the division with a couple of division wins in hand already. Uh, This should be a cakewalk for them. Josh Allen, the
0: second shortest odds to win the NFL MVP right now behind Kyler Murray. Josh Allen at plus 600. Buffalo, the second shortest odds to win the AFC Conference Championship. The margin between the Bills and the Chiefs right now also, Mark, growing shorter by the week. The Chiefs still the favorites at plus 300. The Bills right behind them at plus 400. Only a buck difference there. The Bills entering the year were minus 150, minus 155 to win the AFC East after four weeks, despite dropping their first game to already be at minus 500, shows how dominant Buffalo has been. Again, Three and one against the spread, but covering by nearly two touchdowns per game. That is the highest such margin in the entire NFL. One funny thing to me also about this division before we move on. In the AFC East this week, we have two matchups that look completely different. Of course, we just touched on it. The Buffalo Bills in Arrowhead on Sunday night in an AFC championship game rematch against the Kansas City Chiefs. That total... 56 and a half the highest number across the entire week five slate in the national football league the pats take on the houston texans and the patriots and texans total is 39 and a half so very different areas there the pats and the texans at 39 and a half the chiefs and the bills at 56 and a half so now we look at the next division who has the second longest favorite out of all divisions on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now and that is the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers, the favorites to win the NFC North at minus 460. And that is growing week over week. When you look at the Packers right now at minus 460, trailing them is the Minnesota Vikings at plus 700, the Chicago Bears at plus 950, and the Detroit Lions at 120-1. to Those plucky Dan Campbells, the longest odds to win any division From a longest number there in a plus money category in all of the NFL across the FanDuel Sportsbook. But Mark, I also think it's pretty interesting as well. Because Green Bay, even after the dud in week number one against the New Orleans Saints, was still minus 175 to win the NFC North. They are minus 460 right now. Right back on track, as we like to say, right pack on track. Get it? Green Bay Packers? Anyway, they are pack on track at minus 460 to win the NFC North. The same conversation we could have with Buffalo, we could have with Green Bay. If the Packers didn't lose week number one or didn't lose in such embarrassing fashion, can you imagine how long these odds
1: would be right now for Green Bay to win the NFC North? All right, well, there's something interesting here to note, Ben, when you look at this objectively. Let's go back to Buffalo for a minute and you talk about their odds, right? They are a team, I mentioned, high-scoring team in the AFC, second-high-scoring team in the league. Their point differential is plus 90. However, the Green Bay Packers, in first place with the same 3-1 and record, their point differential, minus 5. Now, point differential is something mm. that oddsmakers look at when they start to set numbers for teams and everything else. So I am looking at this division and going, I'm not scared to take the Minnesota Vikings at 7-1 to at this point in time. I think it's a great value proposition. The Vikings, remember, okay, Let's. you have to look objectively at what teams do through four weeks. You can't look at the record. You have to look at how they play. The Vikings, in reality, should not be one and three. They should be three and one. I mean, if if an idiot kicker makes a, a field goal against the Cardinals, they win that game. And if they decide not to just go all conservative and, and choke in overtime, they beat the Bengals. They're a three and one football team, and things are viewed much different. This is not a bad team. They, they sometimes play bad, and Kirk Cousins is much of a head-scratcher. But if you're looking for somebody that you can at least trust to be consistent enough, Kirk Cousins is a consistent quarterback. It was this week he had his, his streak snapped of a 90 quarterback rating for 17 consecutive games. And so he can play high-level football. This team can win a lot of games. I expect the Vikings to get back in this thing. Um, if they can get hot here and win a couple of games, as long as they don't dump to another team that they're not supposed to and take care of business within the division, I like the 7-1 to one odds for them in this spot. Yeah, I think the value on the Vikings
0: at 7-1 compared to the value on the Pats at 7-1 to in the AFC East is a little bit better. I also think Minnesota's value in the make playoff market right now on FanDuel is certainly there. They are plus 215 to the yes of making the playoffs on FanDuel right now. I could see the Vikings contending for one of those NFC wildcard spots, certainly. A lot of that will be dictated by the NFC West, but I think the Vikings can be a part of the NFC playoff picture. So at plus 215 right now, To make the NFC postseason, I also think there's great odds on the Vikings for that. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers and that scoring differential. A lot of that, I think, is taken into account from that opening week in the dud losing to the New Orleans Saints in the fashion they did. But the Green Bay Packers have been pretty good offensively over the last three weeks, averaging more than 30 points per game. This week, I think the Packers line against the Cincinnati Bengals is a fascinating one. The Packers on the road in Cincinnati. I understand that. But Green Bay only laying three and a half points against the Bengals. The over-under total is 49 and a half. Are you with me, Mark, here in thinking that that number seems a little bit too short, even for the road team on Sunday and the Green Bay Packers?
1: No, I I get the initial reaction on it. Um, And again, the total also is something that sort of piqued my interest a little bit, uh, being the fact that if you look at uh, Green Bay in the last three weeks, They've cleared that 50 barrier without breaking a sweat until, you know, the 27-17 game uh, against the Steelers. You know, they blow out the Lions and they take care of business against the 49ers. So, you know, when you're sitting there at that key number of under 51, I feel like the over starts to come come into play here for Green Bay. As long as their offense continues to do their part in scoring 30 points a game, you feel confident that uh, Cincinnati, rather, the way they have played uh, is good enough. But I, I agree with you. The idea that it's only three and a half points, um, is starting to tell you at least what bookmakers think of Cincinnati. And maybe part of it is, too, is the fact that, you know, Green Bay um, back out on the road, maybe not as consistent as they have been at home. But I, I saw this number at three and a half, and it wouldn't shock me to see some early money come in on the Bengals.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at that number, we might see it move one way or the other. That key number of three could be big for this game against the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincy. On Sunday, the next division we're looking at the NFC South and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the heavy favorites to win the NFC South at minus 450 right now. Again, the third longest odds of any team to win any division in the minus money category across the FanDuel Sportsbook. Of course, Tampa still the favorites to win the NFC right now at plus 280. The other teams in this division are interesting to me, Mark, because you have the Saints at plus 600, the Carolina Panthers at plus 700, and the Atlanta Falcons at 80-1. to one. Three of the four teams in the NFC South lost on Sunday. The only team that did it, the Buccaneers, on the road up in Foxborough. So what do you make of the NFC South? Do you think anybody can rival the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that there's any value on the board, or at least one of the teams out of the NFC South can maybe be in contention for a wild-card spot?
1: I'll save everybody a whole lot of time and trouble. Don't waste your money on the New Orleans Saints, okay? They're not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to win the NFC South. Um, James is not going to be the guy that elevates him, and you can see that clearly in the way that he plays. I do love me some Carolina Panthers. That's the other team that prior to the season, I took it plus 270 to make the postseason. If you give me 7-1 to one odds. Now, really tough for them to catch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But at this point, when you're sitting there and both teams are 3-1, and one, it's not bad value. I mean, they're right there. Obviously, these two teams are going to play each other twice, Ben. But when you get that 6-1, 7-1 value, to me, that's sort of my, my benchmark of where I'm willing to place a wager uh, on a team because I feel like I'm getting enough return for my investment at that point in time. I, I love the Carolina Panthers. I get that Dallas you know, beat up on them this week. I thought their defense would hold a little bit more. But I still think that defense is going to be really, really good. And as long as Sam Donald continues to play well. And the, here's the difference, Ben, is that donald has got a start elevate a little bit more. If he can start to elevate a little bit more and make other players around him better, make this offense truly, you know, one that you have to worry about each week, then I give them every chance to win this division. I completely agree with you and I think with a healthy CMC
0: the Carolina Panthers can be a team that would factor into the NFC postseason picture. They're not going to win the NFC South in my division, but or in my opinion, but I would look at those make playoff odds currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Christian McCaffrey makes that offense under Joe Brady even that much more dynamic. I think there might be some value on the Panthers to still be an NFC wildcard team. That defense, despite what they did against Dallas, I still think is top five in the NFL. By the way, the Bucs, a 10.5-point favorite against the Dolphins this Sunday at home in Tampa in a matchup of the two Florida teams in the NFL facing off on Sunday. Coming up next, we go back to college football. They call Mark Zinno the mouth in the South. Let's get some SEC takes coming up next here on The Morning After. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM channel 204. I'm your host Ben Stevens and for this entire second hour I have been joined by Mark Zinno. And Mark Zinno is called the mouth in the south. We'll get some of his SEC picks for this Saturday slate a little bit later on in just a few moments. But Mark today my colleagues at SportsGrid made me be one of my least favorite things in the entire world. And that is a college football pollster. They wanted me to put together a top 10 poll for college football as it stands right now, after week five of this season, entering week number six. But I can't lie. I had some fun with it. We called it Ben's top 10. It rhymes. Everything about it felt good to me. And here is how that top 10 looked, and I would love your reaction on it. We start at the top. I have Georgia number one in the country, then Alabama number two. Checking in at number three, I have the Iowa Hawkeyes ahead of a huge matchup against the number four team in my poll, the Penn State Nittany Lions this Saturday, then Cincinnati at five, Oklahoma at six, Michigan ranked seventh, BYU eight, Ohio State number nine, and then Oregon rounds out the top ten, checking in at number ten. Mark Zeno, your initial reaction to Ben's top ten poll, the first iteration of it ever.
1: Uh, listen, I agree with you that Georgia should be the number one team in the nation. Um, they should have gotten yes. a lot more votes than than what they're getting. There's this deference to Alabama, which I certainly understand. But uh, I think we've proven that Georgia, at a minimum, is neck and neck this year with Alabama. Uh, Iowa, number three, they're not sexy. Uh, they certainly are not a team that is aesthetically pleasing to watch at times. But the way they play and how they win, and and look, they create turnovers like nobody's business. And so from that standpoint, they have earned the number three ranking. Agree on Penn State. I'm still up in the air on Cincinnati. Um, Is Notre Dame going to be a really feather-in-your-cap kind of win? Yes, for Cincinnati it is because they don't play Notre Dame all that often. But Notre Dame, we're going to find out, isn't really that good of a team. I think people still are discounting Oklahoma because of the week one game against Tulane. I might have flipped the two of those. Michigan is continuing to be unheralded a little bit. Their defense is really, really good. We're sort of waiting for the other shooter drop on Michigan. I'm not really sure why. BYU, as an independent, I do like the schedule that they've played. They do have two top 25 wins already. Let's see how fruitful those end up being when it's all said and done. I probably would have them a little bit lower, if not outside the top 10. I agree Ohio State and Oregon. I'm surprised, though, as a Big Ten guy, you left Sparty out on the outside looking in. You wouldn't have an argument for me if you dropped BYU in favor of Michigan State at number 10.
0: Yeah, I like to give the Cougs a little bit of a credit, though, because they are an independent team. Their scoring margin not all that great, despite the fact they are a perfect five and zero, with three of those wins coming against the Pac-12. But I felt that if I put Oregon in there, BYU, the rightful Pac-12 champions right now, needed to be a step above. I know I ruffled a couple feathers with my man Kevin Walsh, which we did in the AP poll as well, having Ohio State ahead of Oregon when that head-to-head matchup went the favor of the Ducks. But both teams with one loss. And I know the Buckeyes loss was to Oregon. But I think Oregon's one loss coming against Stanford this past Saturday is more significant in their hopes of winning a Pac-12 conference championship and their hopes that I now think are dead of making the college football playoffs. So that's how the poll looks overall. We'll do another one next week. It was a crazy week number five in college football. We had nine teams ranked in the AP Top 25 go down. Five of those against unranked teams. It was a great week. In the SEC, with some marquee matchups that turned out to not be all that great, but this week, a couple of marquee matchups as well. We are in the thick of conference play. We need Mark Zeno's expertise on the Southeastern Conference. The Mouth in the South gives us his picks this week. All right, here we go. Hashtag mouth in the South. Big Ten Ben, folks. This is a lesson in branding yourselves as a sports media personality across the college football landscape. So, Mark. One of your biggest, biggest loves in maybe all of the world, but especially in SEC football, is Ole Miss in the over. Ole Miss team total overs, and Ole Miss looks to bounce back this week against Arkansas, a team also looking to bounce back from a disappointing performance this past week on Saturday. Ole Miss hosts the Razorbacks on Saturday in Oxford. They are laying five-and-a-half points right now, and the total for the game overall is 66-and-a-half. Now, I know the Rebs' team total
1: is not out, What number would you consider taking an over on for Ole Miss? If you get me something below 43 or 43 or under, I would jump on top of it. There may be a little bit of regression after the way Alabama sort of smoked them. And some of that was, honestly, I watched that whole game from start to finish. Uh, Obviously, you know, with my investment in Ole Miss this year. But... I really don't think Lane Kiffin did a very good job at adjusting at all. I think he believed his game plan was eventually going to work, and he didn't change, and Saban just had his number, and he didn't really have a counter to it. I know this week they'll have a, a plenty of prep time to, to to go out there and come up with a game plan that's going to work. And Arkansas almost right now, again, starting to look like a paper champion. Uh, you know, They have the injuries at quarterback and, and what that's going to be. I just look at this spot. I know the number's five and a half. Or a, I just – I like – Ole Miss to cover the number, but I feel safer with the team total because they'll get back to business and scoring and scoring very quickly. As long as you get me a number that's in that 43 range or below, if you start topping out past 45, I would start to get a little bit concerned. But if you're in that 41, 42 range, I feel really good about Ole Miss going over the team total this week. If you look at
0: the numbers right now, again, the Rebs laying five and a half at home. They are five and a half point favorite. The total currently on FanDuel for the game overall is 66 and a half. You do some rough math, an estimation here. You might see the Rebs team total somewhere around 36 and a half, 37. So that would be under where you have it right now for what you would take to need the over. I like that play. I also think you bring up a great point about Lane Kiffin and the schematics last week in Tuscaloosa against Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide defense. He told us to all get our popcorn ready. Well, I think he was hoping the popcorn would be buttered by the run game and attacking Alabama on the ground, like Florida did a couple of weeks prior when the Gators ran for 245 yards against Alabama in the Swamp. But Nick Saban is the best college football coach in history for a reason. He makes adjustments. And I think they took away the ground game. And Ole Miss was the sixth best rushing offense in the country heading into last Saturday. So it makes sense that Lane Kiffin wanted to focus there first. But I think when they took away the ground game, a lot of the focus should have been on their best playmaker, and that's their quarterback in Matt Corral. And I think we saw some of those quick screens early on in the third quarter start to work and expose the Alabama defense a little bit. I wish Lane would have gone to that a little bit earlier. I also say that as a guy that thought the value in that game between Ole Miss and Alabama was on the run and revs team total over of 31 and a half they finished with 14 points but so it goes a team total under i'm going to take this week is on the auburn tigers in the deep south's oldest rivalry against georgia i'm going to take the team total under for opponents against georgia at all points this year mark how do you feel about the game between georgia and
1: auburn the dogs laying 14 and a half on the road all right i mean 14 and a half is probably one of the lowest numbers you should feel comfortable taking georgia with they they should beat auburn handily Um, and and I know this sounds crazy when I say it out loud I know it sounds crazy based off of the sample set of what we've seen but I actually like the over in this game and the calculation is simple I mean yeah what exactly I mean Georgia put up 37 on an Arkansas defense that's supposed to be really really good so I don't have concerns about their ability to score I have more concerns about Auburn's ability to score if Auburn can get to 10 in this game, and mind you, Georgia's only given up one offensive touchdown all year long. It was a garbage TD to South Carolina uh, in a blowout win. But I feel like if, if if Auburn can get to ten and it clips ten. Georgia can do the other part on their own offensively and get me into the high 30s to cover this number. And they will do that. The real thing here is that I, you have to. this is a game you have to prepare to sweat because Auburn likely isn't going to score that touchdown until the second half when the game is out of reach anyway. So sit, it, sit down in your seat and sweat out this over for a full 60 minutes on this thing. But I know Georgia will do their part offensively to get me above 30. Can Auburn do their part and get me above 10 to get over this total? I think they can. They'll probably be playing a little catch up and throw a little more uh, in a game where Georgia, you know, they don't put their foot on the pedal. They don't absolutely try and blow teams out. So once they get a sizable lead, they'll go conservative on offense, and then it's up to Auburn to do their part. I do like the over in this spot as an early lean. Again, the team total for Auburn by some estimation, some quick math
0: might be around that two touchdown mark. So if Mark is saying that Auburn scores 10 points, that hits my team total under on the Tigers and could lead to the over of that game total overall. And I think Mark brings up a great point about Georgia. The defense is fantastic, the best in the country, and deserves all the praise, and rightfully so. But UGA's offense is, I think, a little bit better than people give them credit for. After only scoring 10 against Clemson, who at the time had a really good defense, and they've had some injuries that have taken that away from the Tigers, but still not a bad side for Brent Venables and company. Georgia scored 53 points on average the next three weeks, and then 37 last week against Arkansas. Arkansas entered last Saturday's contest in Athens against the Dogs as the top 10 scoring defense in the country, the 10th best scoring defense, only allowing about 14 points per game. So I think Georgia's offense can certainly score as well, Mark. I like the handicap there, and that's how you break down the DT South's oldest rivalry. So Georgia, the number one team in my poll, the number one team in the AP poll is Alabama. Bama on the road this week, and what a game! A lot of people were circling early on in the year for what might be one of Bama's toughest tests on the road in College Station. Texas A&M has lost two straight. They are without their starting quarterback in Haynes King. It's Zach Calzada. It's not exactly the team we expected out of Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies that were ranked sixth in the AP preseason poll. Because of that, Alabama, a 17 and a half point road favorite in College Station on Saturday night. Mark, do you think Bama can cover that lofty of a spread?
1: Yeah, I do. And most of this is simply based off of uh, no disrespect to Zach Calzada, but he's not the answer, at least not at this point. He needs some more seasoning. I just don't know that A&M can score. Uh, Yeah, they put up 37 on was on New Mexico State. uh, But outside of that, against any SEC talent – they averaged 16 points over the last two games. It's just not enough. Uh, they, they're not going to be able to score to keep up with Bama uh, in this game. And I know it seems like a lofty number, but uh, there is a possibility of a backdoor late. But I, I don't know that A&M's defense is going to stop Alabama from scoring 40 in this game. If Bama gets over 40, I don't know that they get to 20 A&M's offense. And so from that standpoint, I feel pretty comfortable laying the 17-and-a-half Uh, with Alabama in this spot they are rolling right now they're going to be on a high after the win over Ole Miss and now it is just cruise control for them basically in Iron Bowl which is the only real game that you know emotionally uh, they have to worry about I know they're much better than Auburn but there's not really another team in the SEC West at this point in time that's going to contend with them so uh, they get over this hump and really I think it's smooth sailing to the end of the regular season for them. Alabama, the third best scoring offense in the country so far this year, averaging 45
0: points per game. We saw that on full display against Ole Miss this past Saturday. Quickly here, Mark, only about a minute left. I want to ask you about Alabama's defense because I'm sure Nick Saban has heard the rat poison all about how good Georgia's defense is and maybe the tide falling behind. But I thought they looked pretty darn dominant this past Saturday against Ole Miss.
1: What do you think of Bama's defense at this point of the year? Why does that Florida game keep sticking in my head? Uh, maybe because I bet on Bama laying 14 and a half and I lost. That's still bothering the hell out of me. But that said, you know, how did Florida come up with a game plan that that did two things? One kept Bama under 40 and for them scored 30, well, 29 uh, in a game that, you know, they, they easily could have won. Um do we just discard that in favor of everything else that we've seen maybe that's the way to go as is a one-week anomaly because bama's defense has played really really well we thought it was going to be a strength coming in this year so far to this point except the florida game it really has been their strength and last week as we said earlier was more about skiing than anything else i think they did a great job of taking away the run as you pointed out and and didn't really give many other options to old miss and that's kind of what makes nick saban Nick Saban is the fact that he can take one thing away from another team, much similar to Bill Belichick and force you to be one dimensional. When he does that, all the cards are stacked in his favor. I think we can agree on one thing right now, that
0: Alabama and Georgia, depending on how you rank them, are the two clear best teams in college football. Mark Zinno, the mouth in the South, plays odds maker for us. Coming up next on Guess the Line, what would a line be between the Crimson Tide and the Bulldogs at this point of the year? That's next right here on The Grid. Rounding out our number two here on the morning after I am Ben Stevens you are listening on Sirius XM channel 204 across the sports grid network one of sports grids very finest Mark Zeno who knows all things about the SEC also about to play odds maker for us on guess the line. Number one in the country Alabama number two in the country Georgia all indications right now are that the dogs and the tide are going to match up in an SEC championship game in early December so Mark let's look ahead to that on a neutral field a neutral site game of sorts
1: what is the line right now between Alabama and Georgia I would set it at Alabama minus four I think there's a little bit of deference. I mean, three and a half seems easy just because you're getting the extra hook. But there's a little bit more deference to one Alabama as a public betting team that people aren't going to distinguish between the three and a half and the four as far as the public is concerned. But furthermore, it's the blowout factor that Alabama has. It's the offense that Alabama has. It's the Heisman favorite that Alabama has. All those things add into that line of going up towards four. It might quickly be back down to three and a half uh, by by you know smart players and Georgia backers, but. Nonetheless, with Alabama being the more public team, it doesn't—I don't think—it scares them to put it at minus four, and, and and Alabama backers will show up for it. I would take
0: Georgia with a money line sprinkle there around like plus one eighteen, plus twenty. That's how confident I feel in the dogs and that defense. An Alabama team total under, though, that would not be my play for an SEC championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Mark Zinno from right here on SportsGrid. You can catch him all across the network in-game live on the weekends and the Mouth in the South giving you his SEC picks as well. Mark, a pleasure and a very fun hour to do this with you. Always, Ben. You're the best, brother. Mark and I will talk here very soon coming up on the other side of the break as we get into happy hour on the morning after we get ready for postseason baseball and who do we bring on to do just that Carver High Mike Carver joins us on the other side of the break to talk postseason baseball and some more college football stay right here on the grid
1: dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where